Hi, and welcome to the Trailside Channel. We are so glad you're joining us. God has a place and a purpose for you, and we hope this message helps you find that and know how much He loves you. Thanks for stopping by and enjoy the message. Hey guys, I see some new faces out there. So if we haven't had the opportunity to meet yet, uh, my name is Mikey Smith. I'm our student minister here at Trailside Church. Um, and it's just, I'm just so incredibly excited to see you guys. I hope everybody had a great fourth. Did everybody have a great fourth? Yeah? Okay, awesome. That's awesome. I was supposed to work, and then 30 minutes beforehand got called in and said, hey, we don't need you. So that was great. Um, but I'm just so incredibly happy that we're here. Guys, I'm going to open up a little differently um, and start just being really, really honest with you guys. Um, this week has been, uh, <laughs> it's just been one of those weeks, you know? I mean, we've, We've all been there, um, and I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's been a crappy week. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but I, I already did. Um, it's just been a bad week, guys, uh, and I say that because it's it's been one of those weeks where it's been really hard for me lately to to believe in and, and have hope in and have faith in the exact thing I'm preaching on today, um, which I think is exactly where I need to be right now anyways. Um, and I say that because, uh, I open up with that because I think that I'm not alone in that. Um, and I don't mean, maybe y'all all had great weeks, but, I mean, let's be honest, life sucks more than it doesn't. Um, and, I mean, that's just true. Um, and I, I, I just know that I'm not the only person here right now who's kind of just walking through something, whether it's, you know, no matter big or small, but just someone walking through something and, and where it's really hard to have faith in and the very same truth that you hear over and over again from people in church. Um, and that's kind of where I'm at. And I'm better now. I'm a little bit better now. I'm not totally better. I'm better now. Um, but it's just it was a really hard week for me. Um, and I just want to open up with that and start with being really, really real with you guys. Um, let me pray for us really quick, and then we'll get started, okay? Father, I just uh, thank you so much. Um, thank you for this incredible opportunity um, to just, just preach your word. God, I pray that you open our hearts to, to what it is you have for us today, Father, to the truth that you have for us today, God. God, I just pray that, um, Father, you remind us today of, of your goodness. Um, remind us that you are exactly who you say you are, and you can do exactly what you say you can. Um, and anything else that you told us you haven't been able to do, you can do it. Um, God, we just love you, and, and we're so thankful for you. It's your name we pray, amen. Amen. Okay, so I'm going to tell you a little story um, about me growing up, and my dad's watching right now, I think, so this is going to be funny for him. When I was in middle school, um, I, was, I, was, I wasn't a troublemaker, but I got in a lot of trouble. Um, sixth and seventh grade, yeah, I was never the, the starter of trouble, the maker of it. But my friends, you know, I, I saw them doing stuff, and I was like, well, let me come. And I always got, I got in a lot of trouble, and I know I'm not the only person here who was like that um, in school. And I, I, I kid you not, like, sixth or seventh grade, it was like every day, like, all right, Mikey, like, my teacher would be like, all right, Mikey, let's walk you to your car at the car rider line, like, and have this all, this upset face, and my dad would just be like, gosh dang it, like, I just knew it was another bad day. And um, every single time, I got in trouble. Amongst other things, my dad would always include this one like, little tidbit of information to our conversation. He'd always say, son, what's the definition of insanity? Anybody here know the definition of insanity? 
doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result, right? It's really funny, and this just happened this morning, so I'm going to say it. It's just hilarious. And I'm not saying, hear my heart in this. I'm not saying that this baby is insane, but it was really funny out here in the, in the, in the lobby this morning. There was this, uh, this baby who was just going, we have a bucket of lollipops out there, and was going, and I guess hadn't realized that in order to taste the goodness of a lollipop, you got to take the wrapper off. And so she would, she would go and grab one, put the wrapper in her mouth, didn't like the taste, throw it back, grab a different one, put the wrapper in her mouth, didn't like, throw it back, grab. But that's the idea there. I'm not saying that baby's insane. That baby's just too, just, this baby's just two years old and doesn't know any better. But that's the idea, the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And so with that being said, um, I want to turn here to John 5 is where we're going to be at. So if you're in the app, I, I, we have that Bible in the app that you can flip to. If you've got your Bible, we're going to be in John 5. And I'll give you a few minutes to get there, a few seconds to get there. Um, and uh, this is an incredible story if, you, if you're not too, too familiar with it. Or too, too familiar with it um, of Jesus healing this man at this pool at Bethesda. And it's just this incredible story. And um, I'm, just, I'm so excited to preach it this morning. Um, so start here with me in John 5, starting in verse 1. It says, After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed, roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids. I'm just going to stop there and let y'all know that like a month ago when I read this, I read that as invalids, and um, I had no idea there were two pronunciations of that word. And, and to be fair, invalid kind of makes sense given the context too. So I was a little confused, but I just now have learned that it is invalid, not invalid. I just want to get that out there. Um, anyways, John 5, in these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there for a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up and while I am going another, and while I'm going another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath and it is not lawful for you to pick up your bed. Peter, take up your bed. But he answered them, the man who healed me, the man said to me, take up your bed and walk. And they asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in the place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you are well. Sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, my father is working until now, and I am working. And so we see here this story open up with a man who was invalid um, for 38 years, who, who was lying still on this mat for 38 years, had, had honestly had no chance of getting into the pool. So let me give you some background. If you're like me while you were reading this, um, you notice that it goes from verse 3 to verse 5. And if you didn't notice that, you just went back and checked, and it surely does go from verse 3 to verse 5, and there's no verse 4. Um, and I have here at the bottom of my Bible saying that some manuscripts um, omit that verse. And what that verse essentially does is explain why these, these people, these, these, these people who needed healing gathered around this pool on the Sabbath, because it was said that 
um, God would send down an angel um, to, to stir up the waters. And if you were the first one to get into the pool when the waters were stirred, then you were healed. Um, and that, that was this, uh, this uh, superstition that was, that, that was believed at this time. And, and so this man, that's what he means when he says, I have no one to carry me into the pool. I, I, when the waters are stirred, I don't have anyone to carry me there. Um, and so we see here that, again, um, confined to essentially bed rest for 38 years. And um, it's kind of obvious that this man's case was hopeless. But I, I want to point to the fact that I don't know if his case was hopeless because of his condition or if it was hopeless more so because of where he was putting his hope. You see what I'm saying? Um, we see here he had put his hope for so long, for 38 years at that, put his hope in this pool, in this superstition, and even in other people, because we see in verse 7 where he said, he tells Jesus, he's like, I don't have anybody else to carry me down there. There's no one to do that for me. His hope is put in all these different places and all these, all these different times over and over again he's left hopeless. And after 38 years of that, I mean, why even try at that point anymore? So then Jesus walks on the scene and he's like, hey, do you want to be healed? And I bring that up and I'm going to open up with this question, church, and just ask, where do you put your hope at? Essentially, like, actually think about that. I mean, don't, don't, I don't really care for the church answer. Um, I know we're in church, but like, actually, where do you put your hope at? If you actually let that resonate in your mind and meditate on that throughout service, like where is that hope at? And what are you relying on? What do you look for? What are you counting on? And in in, 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 when you need of this healing and all of that. And so then I'm going to tell you a little bit of my story. Um, I preached back in January, and I told, um, told my story then too, but we have a lot of new faces now. So I'm going to retell this story. Um, when I was uh, 14 years old, so I have, have had, I never you know what, what word to use here, but I, I have slash had uh, three siblings. Um, I had slash have an older sister. I, this is really weird for me. An older sister who now would be almost 25 next week. Yeah, 25 next Thursday. Um, I have an older brother who is 21 now and a younger sister who's 17. When I was 14 years old, my older sister was 19. Um, she committed suicide. And um, it was really, a, looking back, shouldn't have been a shock. Um, but at the time, really was a shock because the day before, kid you not, like March 18th, she committed suicide. March 17th, she, I, she walked in the door of my house and, like, and was as happy as I had seen her in months and um, had just bought an entire new like, wardrobe because she had just lost 60 pounds and like, was just, I mean, just joy-filled person. And she always kind of was like that. And then the next day, we get this news. And so all of that, as you can imagine, being this, this big shock to me, this big surprise for me. And th- see, the surprise of that then led me to have this like dire need to be in control of everything. And to be honest with you guys, I still like struggle with that, and, and, and I'm still trying to work through that. Um, and I would even say more so than like the average person, because control is something that we all desire. But like to the point to where if I don't know every detail of every situation, I start panicking because I'm like, I just can't afford, you know, whether it's good or bad. I, I just don't like being in that position of the unknown, like not knowing what's going on. Um, so it led to this dire need of me wanting to be in control, which then led to trust issues in every relationship I had, which makes sense, um, and then which led to, to broken relationships in my life. Um, friendships, relationships, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's brokenness in my life. And, uh, and this isn't a pattern that I noticed really until I became a follower of Jesus, and really even until um, here recently that I've noticed that all of this is rooted in what happened five and a half years ago to my sister. And... Um, and I say that because 
throughout all of that, like, what was my pool? What was the thing that I chased after every single day in search of healing through all of that? And um, for me, it was in, in high school, I was an, I was an athlete. Um, and for me, I, I chased after every single day um, the attention, the, the approval, the love of other people. Because in my mind, it's like if people loved me and, and like, talked about me and, and cared about me enough, like, I, I could never be surprised again like that. And so I chased after this every single day, and I bring that up because unlike the man in this story, I, I reached my pool. I, I got there, and um, like in high school, I had, I had like, I, I really struggle with saying this because I don't want it, it's going to sound bad, but I had the newspaper articles. I had people love me and all that stuff, and, but I say that to say like I was still broken though, you know? Like I, I still needed that healing. I, it wasn't solved after that. And I say all of that because like relating it to the story, why does all of that matter? Why does my story matter? Why does, why does this passage matter? And, and if you're taking notes, if you're in the app, um, here's my first point. It's because healing was never in the pool. Healing is and always has been in Jesus. Healing was never in the pool. Healing is and always has been in Jesus. And so we see in this story, this man who's laying here for 38 years, hasn't moved in 38 years, has no hope of really getting healed, Jesus walks on the scene. And he says, hey, do you want to be healed? Now, I, haven't, I, I had an issue with that until I read into it and asked why he, and figured out why he asked that question. But I always had an issue with Jesus, the God of the universe, creator of all, omnipotent, omniscient, all the omnis we can think of. Like, that's Jesus, comes on the scene and says, do you want to be healed? As if he didn't know. And I always wondered, well, why did you ask that question? And I find out that I come to find that he doesn't ask that question for his sake, for his own knowing, because Jesus knew he asked that question for the man's sake. Because let's be honest, 38 years of not moving, having no hope of getting healed, at that point, do you really want it? And, and he asks him, do you really want this? He asks us for the man's sake. My mom who's here, over here, raise your hand, mama. My mom who's here, um, she's, a, she's a counselor, she's a psychologist, and she has um, obviously a bunch of clients that she sees and she told me as I was last a few weekends ago I was walking just walking through this with her and she told me she said you know it's funny that you that you bring that up because I ask all of my clients do you actually want what you're coming to me for I ask all of my clients that and she told me that she was reading a book um, written by another counselor and this counselor wrote in her book that in one of their in one of her sessions she straight up kicked her client in the shin and her client like obviously responded in pain. It was like, why would you do that? And, and, and the counselor said, well, you clearly like living in pain, so I thought I'd join your world. Like, because, I mean, <laughs> can you imagine just being in that situation? But then at the same time, like, I imagine that that's probably exactly what that person needed to hear at that point. Like, what an eye-opener that would be. Like, you're right. I don't know if I really want this as much as I, I, I appear. I make people feel, uh, think like I do. So Jesus asked this man this question, like, do you want to be healed? And the obvious answer one would think is, well, yeah. Like, I'd give anything to walk again. I'd give anything to move. You know, but at that point, someone's, a man's will at that point is so just destroyed and beaten down. And I say that because, church, I know a lot of us in this room, um, myself included, we need healing. Um, we absolutely do. That's it. I mean, that's, we, live in, we live in a world that needs healing. Um, and, and we can't escape that. But here's, here's my second point if you're taking notes. Some of us would rather live in familiar pain 
than newness that comes in healing in Jesus. I'm going to say that again. Some of us would rather live in, in familiar pain than the newness that comes with healing in Jesus. And um, I, I've never really, when I, I first thought this and I first heard that, that very same point myself, I, it hit me and I was like, oh my gosh, like, I don't know if I actually want to be set free from all the anger that I hold inside from my sister. Like, I don't know if I actually want that. I don't know if I actually want to be set free from, like, this pain that I feel. Because there's something about the pain that we enjoy. Something about the pain that, that honestly fuels us at that point. And, I mean, some of us, it's, it's, we like the attention we get. We like the sympathy we get. Um, and for some of us, it's other things. But there's something about that that we just, in a sense, thrive off of. And it's, it's I know it's weird, but it's true. Um, and I know that... A lot of us, uh, like I said, my point being that we would rather live in pain than healing in Jesus. And the reason for that is because so much of us, so many of us are afraid of giving ourselves to Jesus because we know that in order to be healed by Jesus, we've got to give ourselves to Jesus. And, and that terrifies us. And that terrifies us because some of us in this room, a lot of us in this room, a lot of us in the world even, we have this idea that, like, if we haven't done enough, if we're not, if we're not good enough, then Jesus can't heal us. We have this idea that we don't deserve Jesus, and I'll be honest, we don't. None of us do. Um, but that's not who Jesus is. He's not just this God who's up there looking down on us and, excuse me, and saying, oh, okay, well, you're going to decide to serve me well now. Okay, so now I'll heal you. Like, now I'll pull you out of this pit of depression, or now I'll pull you out of this pain that you're in because you decided to pray hard enough or read your Bible a little more. It's not who he is, and I'm sorry if that's who you grew up learning Jesus to be, but that's not who he is at all. In fact, obedience is obedience follows healing it's not a prerequisite and and if it were then we would have seen Jesus ask the man to stand before he healed him and that just doesn't make sense like I'm I I really want you in this room like stop like thinking to yourself that I got to get this on my own like I got to do this on my own because I'm just not good enough for Jesus that's the point you're not that's why you need him like you're right join the club you're not none of us are but that's why we need him, and it's not, a, it's not about cleaning yourself up enough to, to come to Jesus and say, okay, now I'm ready. It's about acknowledging the fact that you can't do this on your own and getting on your knees and saying, Jesus, I need you. Like, I've acknowledged that I just can't, I can't fight this on my own. I just can't get through this on my own. And I need you for this. And that's, what he's, that's, that's who he is. That's what he does. That's who Jesus is. You guys, within healing, and when I was reading this passage and I was writing this sermon, I, I kind of noticed that there was uh, two parts to this passage. Um, the first seven verses, I believe eight verses, um, are, are very focused on healing. Jesus healing this man, but then we see the, the last, that would be nine verses, um, I think are, I, I felt are focused on freedom, um, and specifically freedom from the law at that point. And I bring that up because within healing, we find freedom, and there's there's freedom. We're set free from so much when we're healed, when we open up and allow Jesus to come in. Not allow Jesus. We don't have to allow him to do anything. That was wrong thing to say. But when we open up and, and we say, you know what, like, you're right, I do need Jesus. And when we do that, when Jesus comes into our life, there's so much freedom we experience. Because, guys, let me tell you something. Like, I don't, every time I, I give my testimony, every time I share my story um, about my sister and all of that, I always make it a point to tell people when it freaks them out. And it's kind of funny to see. Not really, though. I always make it a point to tell them, like, glad it happened. Very thankful that it happened. Because if that didn't happen, this wouldn't be happening right now. Um, if that didn't happen, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't be living with Sean right now. Like, I wouldn't, 
I wouldn't be at Trailside. I wouldn't be the student minister here. Like, if that didn't happen, I, I'm not going to say I wouldn't be saved because I don't know what, what God had for me, but, like, my salvation came from that. Like, I ran from God for that reason, but I came back to him for that reason, too. And so I look back, and I'm like, I'm, I've been set free from that. All, everything I've, I've carried along the way, all the guilt that I carried, because eight months before my sister committed suicide, I walked in on her, and I saw all the um, scars on her legs, and self-harm marks on her legs and arms and I knew exactly what it was and didn't say anything and for three years I carried that and was like God if you just said something you know but I've been set free from that now I don't carry that weight anymore because I know that wasn't my decision that was hers hers to make and she made it I can't carry that anymore I've been set free from that I've been healed from that that's what happens when Jesus comes into our life because within healing there's freedom and that's my third point that there's freedom in being a follower of Jesus there's freedom in being a follower of Jesus Paul and Romans writes it as a slave to righteousness. And I know it's kind of ironic to say this, but there's freedom in being a slave to righteousness. There's freedom in that. And Romans 6 tells us that in this world, you're one of two things. And there's no in-between. There's no anything else. In this world, you are one of two things, either a slave to sin or a slave to righteousness, one of the two. You're one of the two. There's nothing else. And when you're a slave to sin, that comes with shame, that comes with condemnation, that comes with this incredible pressure to be someone that you're not. That comes with, most importantly, separation from Jesus. But when, when you're a slave to righteousness, that comes with, that comes with um, purpose, that comes with community, that comes with love, that comes with living exactly as who you were created to be, who you were called to be. And guys, there's nothing, honestly, nothing greater than that. Nothing greater than that. There's nothing I love more doing. No, there's nothing I love more than doing this right here. Is nothing. It comes with closeness to Jesus. It comes with freedom. And guys, the beauty of that, I, I love this. The, the beauty of that is that, listen, if you're a slave to sin, there's no room for righteousness. There's just none. But if you're a slave to righteousness, there's room for sin that's covered by grace. It's just covered by grace. That's who Jesus is. I'm going to say that again. If you're a slave to sin, there's no room for righteousness. But if you're a slave to righteousness, there's room for sin. It's covered by grace. Does that mean that we can freely sin? No. Paul tells us, I, I think it's Romans 6.1, like, are we, because of grace, are we, are, is sin allowed to abound? No. That's not the case, but we're also human, and we can't escape sin, because on this side of eternity, sin is inevitable. Absolutely. But there's two sides of eternity, and sin only exists on one. Well, I guess if you count hell, but okay. Um <laughs> But what I'm saying, guys, is it's like following Jesus doesn't come with this immense pressure to follow all these rules. And legalism is what we, what we call it. Follow all these rules and, and live the right life. Like, that's not what it is. And, again, I'm really sorry if that's how you, if that's how you grew up. That's what you were taught. That's what I was taught. I grew up in the Catholic Church. Um, so that's kind of what I was taught. Um, and it wasn't really until, God, I guess, it really wasn't until I came to Shellside. I, I met Sean. And... Um, and my buddy Aiden, who plays keys for us, and they just totally slapped me in the face with proper theology. Um, and if you and if you <laughs> if you want to get slapped in the face with proper theology, they're the people to sit down to or sit down with. But um, it wasn't really until I came here that I realized that like Jesus isn't this God who like who, who who loves us based on what we do. That's not who He is. He doesn't He doesn't love us based on what we do for Him. He loves us despite what we've done. Like. That's, that's who he is. That's exactly who he is. See, Jesus doesn't demand perfection. 
He doesn't demand perfection. He demands, he demands obedience. He does. But in that obedience, he offers freedom. Freedom in church. We've, we've got to live in that freedom. We've got to live in that freedom. Because, listen, when you've been set free, this is going to sound crazy, but when you've been set free, you can do things like pick up your mat on the Sabbath and walk. Because a man was just healed. And the Jews are here worried about a law. The man was just healed. And they're saying, hey, it's not lawful for you to pick up your mat. Who cares? When you've been set free, you can do something like pick up your mat and walk on the Sabbath. I want you to turn with me to Romans 8. Romans 8, 1 through 2. This is, God, I mean, all the Romans is just incredible. But this really is one of the best chapters in the entire Bible here in Romans 8, 1 through 2. And, and what it says, it says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. And what that's saying, guys, is like once you've, once you've given yourself to Jesus, once you've, once, you've, once you've received that freedom, freedom from the law doesn't mean that you're exempt from the law. It doesn't mean that you're exempt from, from doing good because there's grace involved now. It means that you're no, longer, you're no longer held to the standard of the law or you're no longer judged by the law. What it means is you're held to the standard of Jesus and you're judged by Jesus. Now, I know that sounds a little worse because Jesus is his perfect being. I don't want to really be held to his standard. But the fact of the matter is when you don't meet the law or when you don't meet the standard of perfection that's set by the law, you're met with shame. You're met with condemnation. But when you don't meet that standard set by Jesus, you're met with love and grace and direction. And yes, discipline, but a fatherly discipline because he loves you. He wants what's best for you, and he knows what's best for you. You don't. That's what you're met with. See, the Jews had it wrong. That's where they had it wrong. They worshiped a law. They worshiped a day instead of the God of them. And so this man gets healed on the Sabbath. What's wrong with that? See, the Sabbath was this day that was reserved for the worship of God. And here they are, the Jews, uh, rejecting the work of God on a day that was set aside for the worship of God. That doesn't make sense, but here's the thing. Everything that they did, everything the Jews did, everything that they saw was through the lens of the law. And, and they dismissed everything that didn't align with that, including Jesus, very God of the law. Because let me tell you, Jesus was there. Jesus is the author of Leviticus, put it that way. Jesus is the author, author of the law. And they dismiss him. Say, it's not, it's not lawful for you to do work on the Sabbath. You don't think he knows that? So we see here in, in, in Romans 8, what Jesus is saying is, and what's, what's true is, is Jesus isn't bound to the law. The law is bound to him. And without Jesus, the law has no purpose. In fact, without Jesus, the Old Testament is just a fairy tale that we can read to our kids at night. In fact, I wouldn't read it to your kids. It's pretty dark. Um, but, but without Jesus, the law is nothing. Without Jesus, it's not even a law. God, similar to that, without Jesus, we have no hope. You know, we have no purpose. We have no assurance of, of really anything, no guarantee of anything without Jesus. But the incredible news and the great news that I hope you hear this morning is like, you don't have to go without Jesus. That's, that's you don't have to. That's just not something that you have to do. And what does that mean? Does that mean for us? Is that true healing, true freedom is found in Jesus, Jesus alone. 
Because Jesus is in the business of, you look in the gospels, you look just the scriptures as a whole, and you look at people's testimonies, you see Jesus is in the business of salvation and restoration. Restoration is, is taking something old, broken, restoring it, making it new, making it whole. He's in the business of salvation and restoration, but restoration comes through salvation. Restoration comes through salvation. Salvation is first. That's, salvation is the prerequisite to restoration. If you haven't experienced that church, God, I'm telling you, I was a kid who ran from it for so long, partly because of Catholic teaching. I didn't know much about it, but I was the kid that ran from it for three years. In my life now, post-Jesus, I always, it's funny, every time I tell a story about, I always say BC Mike, before Christ Mike. Um, I always refer to him every time I tell a story, but like, all right, I'll tell you the story, but understand this was BC Mike, okay? Okay, and there's a funny story that includes BC Mike that I'm not gonna share on stage. Um, I'm surprised it's lasted this long and hasn't come out yet, um, but, because that's not me anymore, you know? And, and, and if you're in this room and, and you've experienced that, God, whoever, BC, fill in your name, that's not you anymore, but if you haven't, you're still living in that, I invite you, please, break out of that. Because you're worth more than that. You know? You're more valuable than that. Absolutely. So church, we just, let's come together, like practically, literally, come together and let's, Let's throw everything else aside. Everything else aside that we've been chasing after. Let's just focus on Jesus. Chase after Jesus. When's our small groups launch, Sean? Soon? Ish. Small groups are launching soon. And guys, what an incredible. I mean, I'm not just saying this for the sake of saying it too. Like, that's what community is about. I'm gonna tell you a story. Last week, last Sunday, um, 10 minutes before service, I was in my office weeping just weeping because part of that really bad week just kind of began last week and I was just in there weeping 10 minutes before service and I called our text Aiden who's back here playing keys for us and he's my best friend and um, I text him 10 minutes before he's supposed to be on stage and I said dude I, I need you to come come into the office and he comes in and he's like he's like dude you're alright and I just kind of explained to him he was a little familiar with my situation and, and he was there just to just to hold me and encourage me and love on me and and say, look, man, I know it's, it's tough right now, but you got to understand that it's not, this isn't it. That's what community does. Community, I've really been learning this here recently. Community is so much about having faith when the other people can't, having hope when the other people can't. Because that weekend I've been, or this week I've been the person that hasn't. And I've had people like Sean every day, Aiden, every day look at me and say, man, it's, this isn't it. You just got to know that. And that's what community is. That's what it's for. Get involved in that. Take advantage of that. Like it's it's there. This church, man. When we've been set free, we're allowed to do the things that we say we want to do. When we've been set free, we're allowed to raise our hands in worship. We're allowed to go love on people at third Saturday in a way people don't normally love on people. We're allowed to do crazy things like go randomly paint a, a, paint a fence and only get two-thirds of the way done because we weren't given everything we need, but that's what we're, we're allowed to do that. That's what happens when we, <laughs> that's what happens when we've been, when we get set free. That's the thing, we're allowed to, guys, we've baptized 18 people. We're allowed to baptize 18 more people between now and December when we've been set free, right? And that's what it's about, seeing people come to Jesus. That's what it's about. 
Church, I really hope that, um, I gotta admit, preaching this message was 100% exactly what I needed to do um, for, for where I'm at right now. And I really, really hope that for you, wherever you're at right now, whatever season you're walking through right now, this is an encouragement to you that you understand that Jesus is exactly who he says he is and that and that the situation you're in, what seems to be so impossible, isn't with him. And that's the whole point of our series, Jesus, God is the Impossible. Because um, he can do exactly what he says he can. Because he is exactly who he says he is. Um, grab hold of that. Like I said, if you haven't yet, grab hold of that. Because it's there. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much again for this opportunity. God, I pray. I pray that you just open our hearts again to, to what it is that you have for us this morning, Father. I pray that Lord, if, if there's someone here who hasn't taken that step towards you, that you pull on their hearts in this time and, and you pull them to you because you're all we need. You're all we need. You're exactly what we need. Father, I just thank you for this encouragement to myself and this reminder of your goodness, your faithfulness, despite trial. I thank you for that reminder. God, I just, I love you so much. I just praise you. It's in your name we pray. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you were encouraged by the message and you feel closer to Christ than you ever have before. If you'd like to learn more about our ministry, visit us in person, or help support our mission as we seek to love Jesus, serve others, and live unified, check us out online at trailside.church, or you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks so much for listening, and we can't wait to see you again soon.